Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a good one. So make sure you got a pad of paper and a pencil handy because you're going to learn some stuff and take some good notes. Today on the show, we have Richard Hawks, and he is with Growth River, and he's here to talk about his new book, Navigate the Swirl. Welcome, Richard. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to learn about Growth River first. Let's start there. Uh, how are you serving folks? So um, we provide consulting services to take leadership teams on transformational journeys. And what that really means is we help them come together as in, in teams, and then we help those teams lead their organizations with other teams uh, through radical change, restructuring the organization, digital transformation. And we touch on all of the topics related in there. Uh, especially around you know leadership and culture, capabilities and roles, strategies and customer experience, that full dimension. So what is the type of pain that they're having when they go, you know what, well, maybe we should call the Growth River folks? Um, well, it depends on what life cycle stage they're in, but very often they're in a, in a, in a caught up in a situation where, you know, they, they, they feeling the swirl, the book, the book that I've written is called Navigate the Swirl. And the swirl is that feeling of being caught up in always another drama, always another priority. But do we all know where it's really headed? Um, is it worth it? Uh, so so we get brought in when teams are in that kind of a situation and they really need to be able to get their head uh, heads above water and get on the same page with each other so they can be on a on a journey together. So that's the pain point. So now um, you call it the swirl. I've heard a lot of folks call it being stuck. Um, you know, they get into this. I, I don't want to say it's a death spiral, but it's it's kind of a groundhog day kind of situation where it doesn't feel like they're making that much progress. So they're they're doing a lot of work and they're they're busy as all can be, and that but but there could be kind of systemic problems. Um, how do you kind of jump in? to kind of get the lay of the land so you can help them get back to their true north, which sometimes they kind of lose track of? Well, so the first thing to know is, is that these are social systems, right? So people are often caught up in a swirl because leadership or management think of a company as a, as, as a machine, right? So, so what happens is, is there's, they're thinking, okay, so this small group at the top is going to they're sort of be the engineers and then everyone else is like a part. And then what happens is, is that uh, um, those parts really need to comply with their roles and, and, and not really change too many things. What happens is when you're caught up in the swirl, it's usually because the conversations about what changes need to happen, how they need to happen and how we're going to do them together, the capacity for that is missing. So the first thing we end up doing, we start with, is helping them understand their organization as a social system and understand how that system changes and how it changes through conversations. How do you have those conversations? What are those conversations? And then we introduce an approach called the seven crucial conversations, which basically says, how, you know, the, the first two of those are about 
purpose and well, first three purpose and focus and mindset. They're about, you know, how do we navigate all this together? And then that takes you into other ones around uh, roles and capabilities and, and uh, interdependencies, and then into strategies and implementation. And so as leaders and teams go through these conversations, they actually begin to create all the agreements with each other that enable them to get out of the swirl. And, um, and that's sort of how it happens. It happens person to person, individual to individual, group to group. Uh, alignment occurs. Uh, agreements are created. And you find yourself being able to get out of the swirl. Because the thing about the swirl is you can't escape it alone. You can only escape it by talking to other people and figuring out a way to get out of it together. Because it's really caused by the systems within which you are all participating together. Now, is this just an inherently human situation in terms of when you have, like if you're a solopreneur and it's just you, there's no issue with communication, right? It's like you know what you're going to yeah. do. You know what you're responsible for. There's pretty good clarity there. Now you bring on a second person and you might have a division of labor and then that, you know, you could have some friction, but there's clarity there. But once your organization gets to a certain size, is this just kind of built in? Like it's not a bug, it's a feature of just having lots of humans together, no matter what the task is, uh, that communication is going to break down, people are going to miscommunicate, they're going to not have clarity, and that they need to kind of reset or put kind of proactively put systems in place to help keep that part running smoothly or else you are liable to kind of get into that swirl sooner than later. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're exactly right. So there, there are definitely points in time as organizations grow where the complexity kind of has a, a leap and you need to figure out how to organize in different ways. And, you know, they definitely occur when you have one or two people, it's a different game than suddenly when you have five, exactly where those breakpoints are. Uh, I'm not sure. I remember somebody saying, you know, there's a there for their business there was a break point at three people and then there was a break point at nine people and then there was a really significant break point when they got to be around 20 people um what i can say is that that i've taken worked with organizations on their entire life cycle so um i started out with one company and we started with four scientists in a lab and over 18 years we grew that company into one of the largest global players in its space. And in the end, they had uh, facilities all over China and Europe and, uh, you know, the U.S. And, you know, at each of these breakpoints, as the company got larger and larger, there, you know, the, the real challenge was, was, well, how do we organize to handle greater degrees of speed and complexity? And the real challenge, you know, once you get past one or two people, uh, the challenge is, it's always the same challenge, which is how do you get better at distributed leadership? How do we get better at all of us playing full out from the perspective of, you know, from the roles that we play, playing those roles full out, having those roles align with our own purposes, and how do we play them in relationship to the other roles in the system for the good of the whole? And what does the good of the whole even mean? So that's, those are sort of the questions that come up no matter what. Um when you're alone, you can answer them for yourself. Get two people together, you have to answer it for both of you. 
get five people together, it's a little harder to answer those questions. But what I can say is that unless you answer those questions well, um, you're, you know, you're, you're going to be unable to adapt and move and sort of fly in formation with each other. And the book lays those out and it actually lays out that, that journey as well um, from small company or small association to, you know, to something much, much larger. And it helps you sort of see the different ways in which you would need to organize depending on how big the challenge is. Now, is this an issue that ideally should be handled like before you hire the leader to make sure that, that everybody's on the same page and that everybody um, knows what is expected and what they want to accomplish? Or is this something that if you hire a leader, you can kind of move them into this proper mindset in order to be successful within the organization? So leadership is really, really important. Um, and so the very first of those seven conversations, the activating purpose conversation, a big part of that is actually about leadership. And you need to have, teams need to have leaders and the leaders need to be accountable for the team's performance and accountable for the working environment within the, within the team, how the team members interact with each other. If you don't have that, you don't get a team. You get something more akin to a work group, but you don't really unlock this kind of let's work interdependently in a highly effective way. That typically doesn't happen without a leader um, in charge. So if you're a, you know, an entrepreneur, a, you know, single shingle and you start building a team, the place you have to really start is looking at your own, your own leadership and your own capacity to lead. Um, and you need to start, you know, taking accountability for, for building that team. And, and one other thing is, is there's this thing called a leadership clearing. Um, and clearing is a really interesting idea. So, so the way to think about it is imagine you've got a, a jungle and, and, you know, in the middle of the jungle, somebody clears away the trees. So there's this sort of, uh, shaft of light that comes down. It's your clearing. And all the people who are stuck out, you know, in the darkness of that jungle are getting attracted to this clearing. That clearing is your purpose. That clearing is, is the, the purpose of your organization, the thing you're there to do together. The moment you own a clearing and people start coming into that clearing and you're the leader, you've got a bunch of choices to take. You've got to decide, well, how do we organize everybody to keep the jungle from you know, devastating it. How do I make sure someone doesn't take this clearing and hijack it for another purpose? And, you know, and how do I uh, create the conditions for people who come into the middle and sit and bask in the sunshine, but don't help? How do I exit them? These are just the basic choices. And without that kind of leadership mechanism in place, you really don't, you can't really build an organization or even a team. Now, as a leader of an organization or leading a team, how important is it to instill that um, philosophy of leadership within each of your team members to give them the opportunity to lead if they so desire, but also the uh, opportunity to be, you know, kind of that good soldier if that's the path they desire? Well, right. So, so, so on one end, you have, um, the quest is for distributed leadership. So 
the optimal situation would be everybody is a leader and it's all leaders leading leaders, right? We're all able to both be leaders and followers and we're all able to really um, step up and, uh, and, and lead others to, to you know, greater levels of performance. That would be ideal. Usually that's, you know, that's what you want. But usually you don't have as many people who have that skill set. Right. That's usually a limited or a scarce skill set. So you're on the other side of the spectrum with one leader and who's more capable and other other folks who are less able to lead. And so what you ideally need to be able to do as a leader is find ways to develop the leaders around you so they can lead, too. And that allows you to grow and scale your company. And it also um ideally unlocks innovation, creativity, participation, because the whole reason that we come together to work is so that we can accomplish more together than we could alone. If the whole thing is, is just everyone's just a straight extension of your thinking, are you really creating a situation where the whole is more than the sum of the parts? Uh, that's, the, that's the promise of, of leadership. So did I answer your question? Yeah, I'm just trying to get clear in today's world where there's so much remote work happening and people are kind of in this free agent mindset, at least, where they want to have flexibility, they want to do what they want to do. Their their place of work is, for a lot of people, a place of work. And they want to, it's almost in a, as a project, the leader of a project, more so than the a, you know, a part of a, a larger organization, they might be part of several organizations. So if the intention is to find leaders within that subset of your workforce, a lot of them, I would think, don't want to be leaders. They just want to, you know, just give me my bag of Cheetos and Red Bull and let me do what I do. And then I'll <laughs> deliver what you need me to deliver. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, so, it's all a conversation. So yes, they're going to be people who want their Cheetos and Red Bull. Is that any different than people who wanted to show up at the factory and spend, you know, X number of hours a day on the assembly line and then go home and never wanted to be, you know, the foreman or the, it's, it's, it's this, that, that dynamic of some people wanting to be leaders and some people just wanting to be workers has exist for, existed forever. Um, I think the, the, the question is, is for those who do want to be leaders and some people, that's actually what they want. And it's not everybody. The, the, the question is, is how do you recognize them and how do you have a conversation with them that actually um, allows you, you know, as a as, you know, the owner of a company or the leader of a company or of an organization team to to then give those people a chance to develop as leaders. Right. I'm, the, I'm not disputing yeah. that part. I think that from an organization standpoint, I would I agree with you wholeheartedly. I want all of my people to be leaders and give them the skills to be as good of a leader as they possibly can be. I mean, I don't think anybody is arguing that. But in, in organizations today, and especially in associations today, there are some people that just want to get paid, do their job, and leave me alone. You know, like, I understand what you need from me. I will do that. And you might wish that I was a leader and that I'm excited about going down this career path within the organization and lead people and do all that stuff. But for me today, I just want to do my job and then 
call it a day. So, so I think what you're pointing to is actually another word, which is, which is the word manager, right? And it's funny how people tend not to use that word as much today, but you know, in a situation where you have workers who just want to show up and just do the work, then you need a manager to organize all of that work and to basically enable those workers to do that. And so, right. So, so that's what you do. You just need managers. You need managers who are going to actually manage the work, organize the work, track the work um, and enable, you know, the, the business or the association or the, you know, to get um, a fair return on, on, on those those workers doing that work. I think what is what is interesting is that that I think there's sort of a there is a different social contract than 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 the time in which those words were really, you know, where they really come from. And something has changed about people's expectations about the work they do, their ability to do work that aligns with their own personal purposes and their willingness to just move you know, and, and ability to just move to, you know, if their needs aren't getting met to something else. And it feels like that might be what you're pointing to. Well, I'm just trying to understand because you said the optimal is everybody's a leader that I'm training a bunch of leaders to be leaders. And um, is is that if that's the well, that, 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 if that's the yeah, objective, that, it, then how do you account for some portion of your workforce that really doesn't want to buy into that? that they just want to just do what they're doing. And if, is that something that maybe I shouldn't hire those people? Maybe that's the answer is that, look, maybe that's part of your problem while you're in the swirl is you got too many of those people and you need to aim a little higher. I, I, no, I think, I think that's, that's exactly right. So, so, but here, here's the challenge. So um, we start, if this is different when you're talking about really small companies, but as they get, as they get larger, You've got to have people leading different areas. You have to have people leading and managing. Otherwise, it doesn't hold together. And um, and the question is, is, you know, how do you create roles for those folks um, and 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 scale that? So often what happens is, right, so I'll start out with one team. The team has a leader. I've, you know, I'm a little company um, and it's just, you know, just us, just our management team. And then the team gets to be, the organization gets a little bit bigger. And I actually now have a senior team and some sub teams, right? So the leader of uh, a member of the senior team is now the leader of another team, right? And, it, and, and, but notice every team has to have its own, has to have its own separate leader, right? You've got to have someone who manages each of these domains and is making sure that, that, you know, you're that that they're you know run. There's somebody running HR. There's somebody running finance. There's somebody running right, all of these things. You got to have someone who's leading each of them, or you can't scale an organization. It's just the fundamental challenge. And those workers that you're talking about could be scattered across all of that, but they have to be in the context of somebody's team, or some you know, or, or, or somebody managing them, and and that capacity to attract people to play those leadership roles is usually the major constraint for growing and scaling companies. It's like that is the puzzle. That is the challenge. And then is today's workforce kind of forcing you to kind of get out of the swirl faster? Because 
to, it, it seems to me that today's workforce is different than even, you know, pre-pandemic workforce. I think um, I think there's a lot of things that have changed with with today's workforce. I think there's a different social social contract um, around what people are are willing to do and how loyal they're willing to be. Um, and I think that has that has you know that has changed. And I think what that means is if someone is going to be, if somebody wants to play a leadership role and they're going to be offered a leadership role, um, they're going to need to take some, you know, they're going to, they have to take some choices and the company needs to take some choices that solidify that relationship in a way that maybe it didn't need to be solidified in the past. Um whether that, you know, becoming a part owner or some option to participate, um, there needs to be, you know, there, there's a there's an expectation that um, it isn't just understood that you come and work for a company and you stay there. And it isn't just understood anymore that some folks, you know, that that will be asked to perform leadership duties and will not be differentially, differentially compensated for that. Um, I do think those things are are really front and center in people's minds. Um, I think it's probably something that's healthy. Um, I think it, I think the clearer we can have these relationships be between employees and employers, or gig economy, independent contractors and employers. I think I think the clearer it is, um, the more likely we are, um, you know, to 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 actually have. Um, happy, healthy, rewarding relationships with each other. Yeah, I think now uh, that if companies aren't at least thinking about this and uh, and having conversations about this, they're in trouble. This is something that is, um, it's right in their face today and uh, they have to do something about it. They have to be proactive. They can't just wait. And I think a company like yours that can go in and help them have these conversations and help them kind of see the forest for the trees. It's not a nice to have, it's a must have uh, for any type of growing organization. I think that's, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think, and I think there's been a seismic shift. Um, I think we're just coming, the, these trends that we're, you and I are talking about with um, change in the social contract between employees and employers um, working remotely Right. Um, globalization. Right. Working anywhere. Um, the boundary between, you know, having a company where you can you hire all your, you know, your resources um, externally. Um, I think these are seismic shifts. And what I can say in our work is that the only way to deal with these shifts is to actually talk about them. The. The most dangerous conversation for any leader to lead in an organization is the conversation around capabilities and roles. Um, that's the conversation where capabilities would be, these are the things my company needs to be able to do really well. These are the strengths we need to have in order to win in the marketplace and you know to be successful as a firm. And then the roles would be, well, who owns what? How do we divide that up so that every key capability has an owner? as someone who's representing that in our firm, um, in, our, in our company, so that, so that we can grow and scale our company. And the reason that's the most dangerous conversation is it's a place where 
individual aspirations crash into the needs of the business. And the, and then, you know, the business capabilities all suddenly seem like higher math to everybody, right? Because they're all about, well, we need this capability because of, you know, fill in all of the, the rationale. And for somebody in their role, they look at that and they say, what are you talking about? I just want to make more money or that's not a job that I want or that's not a role that I want to play. Or, Why should I sacrifice that? Or, you know, all the things associated with that. So this is a really significant flashpoint. The, the challenge is to create the conditions so that you, as a leader, as a team, as an organization, can, can navigate those flashpoints around people, what roles they're playing and how they play those roles. You know, you, you can navigate them in a way that, that everyone is aligned. And it's not, it's not destructive conflict. It's actually constructive, creative tension between, between people. And the secret to doing that is that I mentioned the seven crucial conversations. The first three conversations, excuse me, the first three conversations, um, activating purpose, driving focus, and shifting mindset are all about creating the conditions so that you can have that most dangerous conversation. And then the fourth conversation is capabilities and roles. And then that takes you into uh, streamlining interdependencies, aligning strategies, and implementing initiatives. And those four conversations are down in the weeds. That's where everybody has to negotiate kind of the, the details of how they're going to work together and how, how they're going to actually be productive. But what I can say is if you don't get the first three, those leadership, uh, those ones about leadership and culture, purpose, focus, and mindset, if you don't get those right, no, you're not going to have a basis of trust that's necessary for you to actually navigate the really tough conversations. And so most of our clients who we work with or the associations we work with, the various organizations we work with, they're stuck um, wanting to do something that's really, really important. And they don't have the alignment among people or the skills among their people to actually sort through all the conflicts and misunderstandings and discussions required to trust each other enough to take the decisions to, to do that to do whatever the thing is they're trying to do. Yeah. And um, I, I, I'll just simply say the demand is increasing, you know, as speed goes up at uh, the speed of all these changes go up, the demand for help around these kinds of conversations is just growing um, exponentially. Yeah. I think that the leaders of an organization have to get this foundational stuff, right. Um, because as the workforce becomes more chaotic and disjointed and uh, remote, you have to have systems in place to bring everybody together and communicate with clarity. It, it, it's one thing if you're all in the same office and you see each other all the time, but if you're spread out around the globe and you're trying to lead and you don't have good communication and, and, and trust, it's next to impossible. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so an example would be um, of a, of a best practice would be um, there's time for people to come together and really just talk about work, right? Ideally, if you can get people together physically, and this doesn't necessarily work globally, but you get, you know, maybe it's over a zoom call, you would set aside time for people to actually not talk about work, but actually talk about working together, which is a different conversation. And, you know, I'm not talking about a cocktail hour, although that's 
sometimes a wonderful idea. Um, I'm really talking about pausing and and having people be able to share. You know, what is what do they need from each other? What experience are they having with each other? Where are they feeling? You know, charged and excite. You know, you know, they're they're really positive. And where are they feeling like they've got you know some constraints? And you need to create space for people to to have those conversations um, where it's not time boxed like a lot of meetings are, because sometimes people don't actually know what they want to say. They need to have a little bit of space to sort of feel things out and and do that. Um, It's really tempting in an online environment to pretend like those conversations aren't necessary. I think those kinds of, those kinds of conversations where people really connect in that way are um, a lot easier to do in a physical environment in a virtual environment. I think it's important to, uh, I've seen it as essential to intentionally create them. Um, there are lots of creative ways to do it, but I think it's really important. And I think that goes to what you're talking about. Well, Richard, congratulations on all the success. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, get a hold of Navigate the Swirl, uh, learn more about your practice, what is the website? What is the best way to do all that? So you can go to our website, uh, growthriver.com. Um, that's easy. Uh, the book is widely available in most bookstores and, of course, on Amazon. Um, and it's available in, you know, Kindle versions and hard copy versions. I think there's an audiobook that's just about to come out. So um, that's the place to look. Um, and then um, on our website, um, you know, there's access to, to uh, quite a lot of materials to sort of uh, dig into some of the ideas that I shared with you. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio. 